receiver screen. It is picked off, and it's going to the house. The Cougs will make it 20 to nothing. Puka Nakua's got a first down and more. Puka Nakua may go all the way. The 30, the 20, the 10, and well worth the wait. This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now live from Studio C, it's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live on a Monday. Happy Labor Day, your day-to-day play-by-play back in Studio C, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us, everyone. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside a man whose DVR was majorly malfunctioning on Saturday, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, suddenly I'm trying to add uh, axe throwing on ESPN News just to make <laughs> sure I record the game because I had to I had to leave my house, uh, you know, go to Smith Field House, get ready for women's volleyball there. But man, what a what a crazy situation! What was it like uh, having another delay? Here we go, Virginia and Texas, part three now. I found some solace in the fact that the last time BYU had a delay just before kickoff, things turned out well. If you remember, 2013, the longest pregame show you've ever produced ever, yeah. three hours. Hema, Hema Hemuli got off easy because they finished the show and then it's announced uh-huh. that, you know, uh-huh. you know you, Hema, you didn't have to do it. No, the hand of Voldemort <laughs> storm that came into Lavelle Edwards Stadium in 2013 delayed things for a long time. I we mean, can just... make rings of power references now since that came out over the weekend. <laughs> okay. Yeah! <laughs> oh, good. But, uh, so I was like, oh, the last time this happened, BYU actually, like, responded pretty well. And sure. so... Um, I was hoping that that would be the case. I did not and then anticipate. You saw it with South Florida, and you were like, "Yeah, that's probably the case." I did not anticipate the BYU <laughs> would be up twenty-one to nothing seven minutes in. Seven minutes into the game, I thought, "Well, okay." Uh, they utilized the extra rest just fine, and uh, things are going well for BYU. But man, what an atmosphere! At least the rain cooled things down too, because it was so hot. Like the, there is some uh, a little bit of a benefit in there too, and some of the South Florida Stadium guys were saying, oh "Man, BYU is getting off easy. Our advantage is we practice in this all the time. We were hoping it would be hot and miserable for you guys, and now it's going to be like all right." It wasn't going to matter. <laughs> yeah. BYU was going to win him. How was the axe throwing, by the way? I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't BYU, it, so South Florida, so I didn't watch it. No malfunctions yeah. to report of in today's show lineup, and no more curses in Florida for BYU football, apparently. Play crappier teams in Florida. Where did the Cougars exceed expectations? We'll discuss. 50 points in the season opener? Hey. Was that the most impressive thing that ESPN's Trevor Maddich saw? If not, what was it? Plus, coming through on several guarantees, including 17-plus. Maybe we should put that curse aside as well. Mm-hmm. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU beats South Florida 50-21 to win the season opener thanks to two rushing touchdowns from Puka Nakua, including this one on the first offensive play of the year. Hands off to Puka Nakua on fly sweep, and Puka Nakua's got a first down and more. Puka Nakua may go all the way! The 30, the 20, the 10, and well worth Indeed it was, Greg Rubel. The game-winning score came 11 minutes into the game, Spencer, on a Keanu Hill touchdown grab. Chris Brooks ran for 135 and a touchdown. Jaron Hall, 25-32, mm. 261, two touchdowns and a pick. Yet, Lopini Katoa wasn't impressed. We know how good we are, and so, and we know how good we can be. And so, you know, we just got to stay hungry. I was talking to a lot of the guys in the locker room just barely, and 
a lot of them are, are actually unsatisfied with um, how we perform because we, we know we could have done better and we know we have uh, a lot of tough opponents ahead of us. Indeed they do, including Baylor this Saturday night, the Big 12 champion pregame coverage on BYU TV and BYU Radio at 8 Eastern time. What a home opener awaiting uh, BYU football. Woo! Number six, BYU women's soccer. Well, they finally broke through the net a bunch of times like we thought this offense might. With a 5-0 win against CSUN, first and last goals by Brecken Mozingo, Bella Foligno, a couple of freshmen, including Ali Fryer, scored the other goals. BYU's next home game this Thursday, 9 Eastern, on BYU TV against Arkansas. Dude, crazy. They just have tough games almost every game. It's crazy. Number seven, women's volleyball. Beat Cincinnati in four Friday, then lost in four. It's number 10 Pitt Saturday night, first loss of the season. It snapped BYU's program record 30-match home win streak, which they set Friday night, longest in the country. Cougars head to Atlanta to play top 15 teams Georgia Tech and Ohio State this week. Yeah, some significant challenges await once again for BYU. So while the loss to Pitt certainly hurts, it's right back at it. You need to get some notable wins. South Carolina has canceled their opener in women's basketball against BYU in light of the fallout from the Duke-BYU women's volleyball situation where the Blue Devils accused the BYU fan of making racial comments. BYU women's basketball has responded, and I quote, we are extremely disappointed in South Carolina's decision to cancel our series and ask for patience with the ongoing investigation. We believe the solution is to work together to root out racism and not to separate from one another. Hashtag love one another. Much more on this coming up. College football playoff is expanding to 12 teams no later than 2026. How about that? The top six conference champions get an auto bid plus six at-large bids from the next highest ranked non-champions. The top four conference champion seeds getting first round buys then games on campuses at the higher seeds. Okay then. I like this. Again, okay, it, was, it was just kind of like lost in the college football weekend. Why do it on Friday afternoon? I don't know. Why not wait? All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU football scores 50 points in an East Coast season opener in Florida. We were joking before the show, Jerem. Apparently now all BYU does in season openers on the East Coast uh, is score 50, 50 plus, plus, right? Yeah, Navy and now South uh, Florida. The key is to do. play teams that aren't that good. <laughs> and BYU is good too. Where did BYU exceed expectations in game number one is my first question for you. First off, the kick time exceeded my expectation. I thought it was going to be at uh, two mountain time. It was not. Uh, but no, Puka Nakua's Woo! ability in the jet sweep game was incredible. Obviously, 75 yards, which we just showed, was unbelievable. <laughs> Christopher Brooks was better than expected. I think I was hoping for kind of a an 80-yard game and some real tough third downs and maybe a breakout run here or there. Two runs of 40-plus. Obviously, the 52-yard touchdown was incredible. BYU on fourth and two inside its own 50 goes for it. He gets seven yards uh, on, I think, that second drive. I, was, uh, I didn't expect a red zone Jaron Hall pick, but BYU was up big. He was being aggressive. Not a big deal to me. If, if BYU loses against Baylor late in the game because that's what happens, or Cam Rising, does, I mean, if Jaron Hall does it, then yes, that's an issue, but not a big deal to me. But overall, I expected BYU and win by 17-plus, baby! I told you! I told you this was going to happen. 
that BYU would go down there and dominate, and they did because BYU is a very good team. We're, and now we're going to see just how good they are uh, on Saturday against a very good Baylor team that obviously dominated Albany, weren't tested, had the largest margin of victory of any team in the country. But here we go, man. Part two with Baylor Saturday. Yeah, on Friday, we were both pretty bullish about BYU coming out bullish, strong, right? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and they hey, and hey. the Bulls were bullied. Hey. Yes, yes. I thought BYU for sure would go over 35 points. You said 17 plus. Uh, yeah, BYU wins by 29. Wrong. Yeah, they did way more than that. And the Cougars score 50. How about the no-shows from Puka? Your thoughts? Those well, referring to a suck. So going back to high school, that has always been his style, and he's never really wrapped his ankles. Mm. I wonder if that will change because uh, it'll be wrapped on uh, Saturday. The injury that happened, yeah. it feels like it, according to trainers, is mostly preventable if his ankles are taped, and he's wearing maybe yeah. a little bit higher cleat, and there's a little bit different look there. Yeah. Well, but, I think his mobility helped him in the 75-yard run. No question. So there's a give and take there, but sure. obviously for BYU to be very good, it needs Puka Nakua because Puka Nakua is straight baller, homie. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He's he's next level. He, he's we, different. I thought he'd have 1,000 yards receiving. He might have 1,000 yards rushing. Now, Kai Nakua, <laughs> when I was talking to him in New York, he said, you wait. Puka's gonna he's gonna do something special this season. He's just mentally he's gone next level. Like he's just Physically he's, he's walking in healthy. He he's is, never had that. He has gone next level. And Which, I was like, okay, sure enough, first play of the season, 75 yards on the jet sweep. Which brings us to us out of the Yes. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Puka Nakua's opening play of the season touchdown was BYU's first since 1987. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Your boy, Robert Bob Jensen. Yeah. 73 yards to Richard Zayas versus Pitt. Pitt got redemption for the 84 loss in that game. But who cares? Uh, Bob <laughs> who cares about the 87 season? Uh, Bob Jensen, 73 yards. Okay. Special play. Special, unique play right there. 2016, Jonah Trineman gets the first play of the game, but it's not the first play of the season, right? right? Against Toledo. Toledo. Uh -huh. That was a crazy night, but yeah, what a play. I mean, if we want to talk just exceeding expectations, yes, perhaps Puka Nakua exceeded your expectations on his limited touches, going over 100 total. It felt like he played like four minutes of game time. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, all right, enough. You're okay, good. you're good. Hey, yeah, shout out good. to Mason Wake and Dallin Holker and Chris Brooks on that play. Fantastic blocking. Incredible blocking. BYU with 314 rush yards. Mm. Yeah, that exceeded my expectations. I was hoping for 200. I thought uh, oh, 200, 200 would be against South Florida? Yeah. 314 exceeded totally. my expectations. 575 total net yards exceeded my expectations. I thought I guaranteed BYU would go for 450 plus. They outdid that by 125. Uh, yeah. They, if, we're, if we're trying to find issues, which we're not, certainly BYU could have done a little more in the second half. Obviously, giving up a kickoff return and a long turn to uh, Brian Batty. Uh, was not ideal. I'm going to call him Tyler Batty. Uh, Brian Batty, by the way, but first team returning All-American All -American, kickoff like, specialist. Like, he's legit. BYU's not going to see a kick returner like him the rest of the year. You don't want to give up a kick return to start the second half. Well, I get it. Yeah, Kalani Saki told me after the game, perhaps that's my fault because I want my guys to be able to cover against good kick returns. So I was just like, no, keep kicking it to him. We need to figure this thing out. Yeah, probably um, – well, listen, in this game, I don't really care. This is a game you were already, you were in control at halftime. Like, BYU is up big. This wasn't a game-swinging moment. It's, it's okay. So maybe it was better for these guys to get that experience, get that bad taste in their mouth in this game, and not in a game where 
it's going to be closer and tighter, and that's going to swing momentum, and maybe you lose on a play like that. I'm okay. I, obviously, you don't want it, but if it's going to happen, this game's fine. Hey, uh, the, the turnover battle, 1-1, one, one, that, that wasn't like a huge factor. No. Nope, nope. Granted, the one turnover that South Florida did give to BYU was a pick six courtesy of Max Tuya. So that's one of those devastating turnovers I'm, for the Bulls, right? I'm going to talk to him about this in the film room, but to me that's a makeup for the 2019 game where, against Washington where he reaches out at the five and fumbles it. But then they say his <laughs> knee's down. This is a make good for that. He got in the end zone. Of our six guarantees, seven guarantees, we're five for seven combined. Okay. So you I, went 4-4, four, four, dog. I went 4-4. Four, four, four. Yeah, Jake Oldroyd didn't miss a kick. Um, turnover battle will be even or plus for BYU. 450-plus offense. BYU's going to score 35-plus. And you, yep. of course, doubled down hard on 17-plus. which is basically worth four. Yeah. Um, yeah, I said Chris Brooks would have two rushing touchdowns. Puka Nakua selfishly uh, had two. Uh, and then <laughs> Ryan Rico <laughs> did not have a 58-plus yard punt. He did have one down inside the five. And then he actually shanked one. I was like... Ryan, what's going on? You're trying to look human to everybody yeah, here? Yeah, he, listen, he's just setting up the long game, right? Now everyone's like, oh, when he has like a 68 yard, it's like, oh, yeah. A <laughs> couple of quick stories to share from the yes, sidelines, some observations. One from Caleb Hayes. So BYU went for it on fourth down twice, right? Fourth and short. And so by nature, like the defensive coaches are all like, get your helmets, get ready in case BYU doesn't get the first down. So they get their helmets, they put them on, they start strapping them up, and BYU gets first down. He turns around and goes, man, I don't even know why I do this. I believe in my offense. <laughs> Next time I'm not putting on my helmet. I'm sitting right there, I'm not putting on my helmet. And then he just races <laughs> I out. I believe in my offense. That's great. <laughs> and then the second one was, people were asking why Mason Wake didn't try and hurt all the defender. There was a play where he got cut yes. pretty hard. Yeah. He came over. And they're like, why did you jump? Why did you jump? And he's like, I heard from the sideline. They were saying, watch for the hurdle. Watch for the hurdle. He's like, I heard him from yelling. South Florida. And so he was like, eh, eh. okay, I better not hurdle because he's going to be expecting it. So they had scouted that for sure on oh, Mason Wade. Of course they had. He's Mr. Hurdle. <laughs> In the like, moment, he's like, they were screaming. I couldn't do it. I love that he could hear that because sometimes when you compete in sports, you can't hear anything. Like, you just zone all of it out. But I love the reality of that. Of No, I can hear that. Yeah. Yeah, Inter yeah ve funny. very fun atmosphere for BYU. and uh, It always is when you win by 29, Spencer. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's just, yeah, <laughs> let's put away the Florida curse. Let's put away the 17-plus curse. No, this I'm telling you, the we're key done. is to not play Florida State, Miami, or Ohio State. When they're Florida. ranked number two or number one. It's a little easier when yes. you're playing UCF and five foot ten Dylan Gabriel. I, I could quarterback Oklahoma to a win. Come on, man. Mm. <laughs> I'll just get the ball out quick, and they race it up. Anyway, it's good to go win in Florida, and now that's not a thing, you know? Our question of the day, where did BYU exceed expectations in the season opening win over USF? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Travis Larson answers on Twitter. My expectations were pretty high going into the game, but I was so happy to see BYU start so fast and leave no doubt early who the better and more dominant team was. Go Cougs. Now, South Florida did something interesting last year and this year. Is they scored more points than Utes, Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State did against BYU. But that's because BYU raced out to 21 and then this year 28 nothing leads. 38. It, they were up 38 to nothing. It changes. 30, there you go, 38. It changes the way, the way you approach the game. It, just the reality. Well, why don't you peak, keep the pedal down? Because it's just hard to keep going at that level. Yes. So, and it's all good. So, BYU defense didn't have to, like, do anything crazy in this game. BYU had to be minus four in turnovers for this to be a game. Holy Sports answers on Twitter. 
And again, we're well, not we're not apparently not going with handles anymore. We're just going with like names, like the names, straight names. Holy oh. sports! Okay. Holy sports! The receiving core was spectacular without mm. Puka in large part. Uh, yeah. Granted, Puka was still part of that. And Gunnar Romney and the equal distribution of the ball just makes me more optimistic for the future. Almost too many weapons. I counted 11 different receivers that caught a pass. It, was it might have been more. 12. It was 12. It was 12, it was 12 receivers. Oh, pretty awesome. Continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, check out Coordinator's Corner coming up today at 2 Eastern time on the BYU TV app as Aaron Roderick and Eliza Tuiaki recap the South Florida game. A lot to talk about in that one. Preview Baylor coming up Saturday, 2 Eastern on the BYU TV app. But before that... The first Maddich Monday of the actual 2022 hey. BYU football season. We're talking about an actual game. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. A salute from Christopher Brooks and us here in Studio C to all of you, BYU Sports Nation. Hope you're enjoying your Labor Day. We are live, yes, alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton working on the holiday because BYU, well, we need to talk about the, the Cougars. holiday. Okay, we need to talk about the Cougars after what they did in their season opening performance. And who better to do that with than ESPN College Football Insider and expert Trevor Maddich. It's another Maddich Monday. Trevor Happy Labor Day. Welcome back to now mid-football season. We're officially a weekend. We are a weekend, and what an opening weekend. I mean, we learned a bunch of stuff. We had some of the most amazing, entertaining games in this opening weekend, and I think this is the greatest week one that I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, really? Why, why do you say that? What makes you say that? Well, look at the ACC, for example. North Carolina and North Carolina State were, were in desperate victories that they could have lost on one play multiple times. You've got Ohio State, whose defense showed what they needed to show. Ohio State's defense for the last several years has squandered some of the best offenses in their history. And it's not because of talent or effort. It's because they have gotten sloppy in the basic fundamentals of stand in the right place, look at the right guy, and attack. And last year, they kept on opening doors by being in the wrong spot, and guys didn't have to be blocked out of the way. Against Notre Dame, they tightened that up, especially in the second half, and there was nowhere for Notre Dame to run at that point, and that's what Ohio State needs in order to be able to complement their great offense and challenge for a national championship. So these are all things that we have good indications of in week one. Yeah, touche. So many great games, great finishes. Utah and Florida was epic. LSU yeah. and Florida I'm State was that one up unbelievable. I mean, just <laughs> so many great finishes to games in the opening weekend of college football. Trevor, I do want to focus on BYU, obviously, here after putting up 50 points in their season opener. I think we can put to bed the curse of Florida – and going two time zones to open the season and the year. Yeah, play like crappy teams in Florida. BYU showed up. <laughs> they looked great. In your opinion, where did they exceed expectations? I thought in big plays, especially in the running game. And that's good and that's bad. You know, they, they ran for over 300 yards against an improved USF defense. They brought in some 
transfers, especially on the defensive line, that should have really elevated that defense. And BYU just just went through them uh, like like a hot knife through pate. That's a nod to Oregon and Georgia. Sorry about that. Dr. <laughs> the, uh, but I, I think that that was an important thing. Uh, one thing, though, you've got to watch out for is that about half of those 300 yards came on three plays, 75 of them by a wide receiver, not a running back. So BYU fans, I think, need to understand that that everything's a work in progress. And as well as they did against USF, that running game was dominant. A lot of young receivers got to step up because of injuries to the top two guys. They did well. I think that's a good start. And now against Baylor, everything gets a whole lot more difficult. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Puka Nakua, just incredible. Before he injures his ankle, hopefully he's all right and, and good against Florida. Christopher Brooks expected to be uh, the replacement for Tyler Algier. I don't know what the consensus is on him, but it feels like we think he can be like at least 75% of what Tyler was last year, right? And Chris is a very good player of his own right. 13 for 135 and a touch, notably two rushes of 40-plus in this game. What did you think of his performance with that offensive line? He looked powerful, didn't he? I mean, he looked solid when defenders were trying to tackle him. It was like he would just shrug him off. And, and that's a good thing because that's what Tyler Algier brought. He brought that, that physicality and that ability to just bound people and wear them down. And Christopher Brooks showed that kind of capability, you know, the, the, I don't know how, how long he can keep that up. Let's hope he can. I'd like to see him catch a few more balls because that's one thing that Tyler brought to it. You never knew if he was going to have his touch by a handoff or a pitch or a throw down the field. And so I'd like to see a little bit more of that from Chris Brooks. But at the same time, I think the, the first game as a BYU Cougar was incredibly encouraging. Trevor Maddish, ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, where is your biggest concern for BYU lying in uh, the Baylor game ahead and, and after what you saw from them in Florida as they push forward to their home opener? Well, special teams, coverage units, for goodness sake. Uh, for goodness sake. They gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown. Then a little bit later, they gave up a long kickoff return and tacked on a personal foul penalty that gave USF a short field to score a touchdown. That, that's two of their three touchdowns uh, right there. And so that was a big deal. And so the coverage units are going to have to step up. That's huge. Another thing I think is that that the young receivers, as well as they did against USF, are going to be covered a lot more tightly against Baylor. Although I will say this, that if there's any question that Baylor has coming into the season, it probably is with a secondary because they lost so much talent in the back end off of last year's team. And so the the health situation of Pukunakua and Gunnar Romney is going to be critical. And the young guys that have to step up and play, regardless of whether those two guys play, are going to have to play at a high level because they have an opportunity to create an advantage against Baylor. And whether or not they can do that might be the key to this whole game. It feels like 1983-84 here with Baylor, where in 83 they won, in 84 BYU won, home fields there. That's the hope for BYU fans, certainly, in the home opener and a confident team that returns a lot of pieces back. How do you see these two teams matching up Saturday in a top 25 showdown? It's going to be much more of a fair fight than I think it was last year. Last year, by the time that game occurred, BYU's defensive front seven, especially, we just ran out of people. And there were a lot of guys playing as starters and in significant roles on the BYU front seven last year against Baylor that weren't expected to have such big roles. And then the depth 
was also weakened because the guys that were the depth had to step up and play in significant roles. But that helps this year because you've got more guys now with experience that they ordinarily wouldn't have had. And that's going to be critical because BYU, according to Pro Football Focus, came into this season with the number six offensive line in all of college football. But they also ranked Baylor as the number four offensive line in all of college football. And even though Baylor lost their top two rushers, they still have a good stable of running backs to run behind that line. So to me, the, the most critical matchup, other than BYU's receivers against the secondary of Baylor's defense, excuse me, BYU's a wide receiver against the secondary, the critical matchup is going to be the front seven of BYU. Being healthy now relative to what they were last year, will they be able to stop this or at least slow down? this Baylor rushing attack, because if they can do that, a lot of other good things will happen. It's a Maddich Monday with ESPN's Trevor Maddich on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, is there anything you learned about BYU that you felt like you weren't sure on after one week? Uh, no, no, they, they performed kind of as expected. I mean, I, I thought that, that what happened would happen. You know, I thought that the running game and Chris Brooks, especially in the Katoa, did a really good job, and I think that's important. I mean, those, those things are are things that we expected coming into the season. So this game against South Florida, which was more tricky than people really realized um, going into it, I think they performed at a high enough level in all the ways that they needed to perform, except for that kickoff coverage, that you can say that BYU didn't surprise in any negative way. And I don't think that they could have surprised in a positive way in this game it only could have been a negative surprise, and they didn't do that. They, they, for the most part, were steady and solid as expected. Jaron Hall goes 25 of 32, 261, two touchdowns. Did throw an interception in the red zone, in the end zone. But uh, that was also South Florida could just snap it over the puncher's head and BYU got the ball back. That was a heady move by Jaron just to reset there for two extra points. But what did you think of his performance in game one? I thought he was steady. He was solid. It wasn't particularly awesome. But it didn't need to be. What he needed to do was manage the tools around him, and he did. I think in this game, he'll need to be against Baylor. He'll need to be a bigger playmaker. But overall, he's getting he's getting a lot of buzz as one of those quarterbacks in that next tier that people aren't talking enough about. And this game against Baylor is going to give him an opportunity uh, to showcase that. Now, against USF, was he spectacular? Nope. But did he do what? a BYU quarterback needs to do in this kind of a situation? The answer to that is yes. And I think people talk about being a game manager is a negative thing. And that's not negative. It's a good thing. If you can manage the game, that means that you're getting the most out of the players around you and the situations around you. And I thought that he did that in this game for the most part. Yeah, and uh, we should note that he's a drop pass by Keanu Hill away from going over 300 yards down the sideline, right? And his rating was 161. Um Trevor, I did want to follow up on that. Do you feel like he managed the game despite 25 completions and the pass rating of 160-plus? I feel like it was more than that. Yeah, it seemed like there, there would have been more than that. His QBR was 84, which is good. QBR quarterback rating is not just his rating as a passer, but it brings into it running and situations. So when you do what you do, and if the situation is critical, if it's a third down and it's third and 20 and you throw it for 10 yards, your passer rating goes up, but your QBR goes down, that kind of a thing. This QBR uh, was 84 out of 50 is average. 100 is maximum. So according to that, he was incredibly steady and didn't just play winning football, but he played outstanding football, according to the steadiness as indicated by the QBR rating. 
A few big picture questions for you now, Trevor. Uh, lost in kind of the shadow of the actual games over the weekend, was this little bit of news that the college football playoff is expanding to 12 teams. Hello. What? <laughs> like All of a sudden it was off the table, then it was back on, now it's apparently happening starting in 2026. What do you think of the decision to expand to a 12-team playoff? This is wonderful. I mean, wonderful. The And there's two reasons. One is that it it restores the importance of conference championship races. In this 14 playoff, conference championships are a tiebreaker to be applied at the end of the process if they have to split hairs because they couldn't differentiate teams by other means. To me, that diminishes the value of conference championships. Now what you've got is the top six conference champions have an automatic berth. There's five power five conferences. That means a group of five conference champion is going to make it, and maybe more than one, depending on the ranking of a power five conference champion. So those championship races are restored for their importance. You could lose a couple of games early because maybe you've got some injuries or a new quarterback or a new coach or something, and then you can come back and win your conference and still have a chance to make that playoff. That's important. Plus, the top four ranked conference champions, are they get a bye. And so not the top four-ranked teams, the four-ranked conference champions get a bye. And to me, that, that also restores the value of conference championship races. The other thing is that it tells us that it doesn't look like we're going to have uh, another top-tier forming in college football anytime mm -hmm. soon. The, my big worry was that the SEC and the Big Ten, with all this conference expansion, would add a few more teams and then make their own division, have their own playoff to the exclusion of everybody else. But the fact that they now have all agreed on this 12-team playoff with gives access to everybody tells me that they are likely to, well, they're, they're unlikely, if not absolutely not going to, make that upper tier division for the foreseeable future. So for the stability of the future of college football with all the conference realignment and all those things, this I think adds a level of concrete stability that says that everything's gonna slow down now and nothing massive is gonna change beyond some scheduling and the conference logo sewn onto the jerseys of a few teams. And BYU have that Big 12 logo proudly on its jersey next year. Now they know in a couple of years when this expands to 12, okay, proudly. You have to have zero or one losses, probably, to uh, sneak into that. Perhaps two, but probably not. Okay, let's finish with this. Uh, some notable names on BYU's schedules had some big wins, but several had notable losses, namely Oregon and Notre Dame and Boise State. I guess which one of these opponents uh, surprised you in a loss the most? I think Boise State. Oregon State is an underrated team. People don't understand how physical Oregon State has become. They're a tough out now. And so it's no, it's no, you know, it, it, it's not embarrassing to lose to Oregon State, but they lost by a lot. They got dominated by Oregon State. And that surprises me for a Boise State program that normally doesn't get dominated that way. And so that surprised me. Oregon getting obliterated surprised me a lot because Oregon came into the season with one of the best combinations of offensive line and defensive front seven, D-line and linebackers, in all of college football. And I thought that would be enough for them to have a fair fight in the trenches and keep this thing relatively close. And they didn't do that. On both sides of the line of scrimmage, Georgia just dominated them. And so that tells us two things. It tells us that, that Georgia is probably back and probably underrated. 
but it also says that maybe Oregon isn't as good as we thought in those trenches, and they're not able to overcome that with skill position play, at least not yet. So, you know, for BYU fans, you know, you can't take too much away from week one, and Georgia is the defending national champions. But that game against Oregon now looks a lot more winnable than it did before yesterday or before Saturday's games. Trevor, we'll finish with this. Who was the most impressive team that you saw after week one? The most impressive team was Georgia for that very reason. I mean, the defense lost five first-round draft choices off of last year's team, and they won't be better on defense, maybe not even quite as good, but they still will be one of the best defenses in the country. Jalen Carter on the defensive line might end up being the best defensive player in all of college football and be that next top-10 draft pick off of that defensive line. So that defense looks like it's reloaded. The offense, though, with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, has shown that it is a playmaking offense, not just a complementary offense to their great defense. Stetson Bennett gets a, a bad rap because he doesn't look like a big, powerful quarterback in his uniform, you know? So people think he's just a game manager along for the ride. But when you watch his games, he makes plays. I mean, there are times when he'll drop a cape and have everything break down and run around. He'll break tackles. He'll avoid tackles. And then he'll make a, a touchdown throw. In, th in ways that you would think only Bryce Young could do. Now, I'm not saying he's Bryce Young, but I'm saying that he has picked up from where he left off last year from a standpoint of not just managing the game, but from a standpoint of making plays when he, ha he has to be the playmaker. And I think Georgia against that Oregon team, which I do think is very good, I, I think that overall Georgia is underrated right now if you rank them at number three. Trevor, you have also reloaded with knowledge and are number one in our power rankings of analysts after week the number, number one. one. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. <laughs> ESPN's Trevor Maddich with us on BYU Sports Nation. Stetson Bringing Bennett. it. Stetson Bennett gives me AP vibes. Like, really strong. Like, he would have been in the office for sure. Oh, you're talking if missionary mission. lingo. Yeah. Okay. An yeah. assistant to the president. Yeah. Stetson Bennett. Our audience understands that lingo. <laughs> Check out After Further Review Tuesday night, tomorrow night, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. As Dave Blaine and David break down how the Cougars dominated South Florida and where BYU is up against it versus Baylor tomorrow on the BYU TV app. And we unveil this week's BYU football uniform combination Ooh. versus Baylor. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Would you like more Cougar content throughout the day and week? Hey, follow us on social media, BYU Sports Nation, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and the TikTok. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on a Monday. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. Time to whip it. The Cougar Whip Around, presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Okay, BYU is wearing, as you can see, a Royal Rush combo this weekend against Baylor. Just bursting through ice. This is so cool, by the way. What do you think of this combo? And tell us about this new helmet. Okay, so I love the gloss finish on the BYU Royal Blue helmet. It's if not you remember the a year ago, yes, it yeah. was a matte finish yeah, on yeah. the navy helmet mm -hmm. and on the Royal Blue helmet. I yep. like the gloss finish under the, the Saturday Night Lights at Lavellard Stadium. It's going to look fantastic. Is that what we're calling out? Like, we fully embrace, like, hey, late Saturday night, we're cool with this. 
right? Sure. We're like 12 years into this. Yeah. 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 Let's be cool. With it. I I like the gloss finish that uh, is being added to this. We've seen Royal like on Royal before. Super cool. Yeah. Fantastic video production. I'm a pebbled ice guy myself, but yeah. But I I do like the gloss finish on the Royal helmet, not the matte finish. Hey, it's it's uh, spicy, and uh, hopefully BYU is as good as the Unis on Saturday. Because it's a huge game. Let's go. Show up and show out. Let's go. Come on. Which final score or storyline over the weekend of college football made you take note of a future BYU opponent? There were a bunch, man. Uh, Baylor, largest margin of victory in the country over the Great Danes of Al Albany. Uh, Oregon looked terrible against Georgia, but everyone would against Georgia, I think, besides like Alabama and Ohio State. Three points, though. Boy, State got waxed. Uh, Hank Bachmeyer, the greatest uh, quarterback in college football history, apparently. He was benched pulled. in the first quarter. And then East Carolina challenged North Carolina State, should have won that game. So, yeah. There were a lot of notables there. Yeah, the two that really jumped out the page to me were one, Georgia just destroying Oregon. Like, I expected that. I, I, had, I We had been, like, yes, crying Oregon's wolf overrated. on the number 11 ranking Absolute. from the moment they came. Like, I still come think on. they're a quality team, just against Georgia and Atlanta. Georgia's a different level. But 49 100%. to 3, I, I thought they'd probably keep it within 30. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, we thought within like 21, probably. Oh right? my goodness, wow, like that, that surprised bad. me. And then, uh, yeah, Boise State just looked disheveled. Like they looked all out of sorts. It was weird. Yeah, they're not the same Boise State anymore, they're man. Not. They're not. They're not. More impressive this weekend. App State scoring 40 in the fourth quarter and losing. Oh, rough finish there. Every BYU fan watched the end of that game, by the way, because it was one right before. Or Iowa beating South Dakota State 7-3 without scoring a touchdown. <laughs> Two safeties and a field goal. <laughs> More impressive. Uh, App State scoring 40 and losing. That's an unbelievable stat line. Uh, Iowa's game was just brutal. That's like that's the most eye-popping, unique stat. It was not impressive. Not to go to state. It, it was what? downright. In fact, it was downright unwatchable at times. Yeah, that's terrible. And that's why I didn't watch it because oh it was unwatchable. Oh my goodness. Um, that that one for me would be App State because that's 40 they hosted North Carolina, by the way. How about that? Yeah. Where will BYU football be ranked tomorrow in the AP poll? And keep in mind, RJ Young released his poll. Yeah. He's got the Cougars at number 14, but he's like 14. All season long, he's been super high on BYU, more yeah. so than the majority you're, of voters. You ain't going to be 14. They're going to be like 22. So where do you think BYU is going to end up in the AP poll tomorrow? 22. 22? Yeah. Okay, I've got him at 23. Okay. Here's why. Cincinnati lost. They were number 23. Houston's 24 in front of BYU. Houston struggled against UTSA. Like Triple overtime. It was a little weird for them. So I think BYU was impressive enough to jump Houston and displace Cincinnati after the Bearcats lost. So I've got BYU at 23. And I think Baylor, for the record, is going to be number 9. Number 9 versus no, number 23. They'll move up a little. Yeah. All right. Yeah. On to uh, the playoff. Shall we move? We shall. College Football Board of Managers uh, expand the playoff to 12. 12 teams. As early as 2024. What's your reaction to the new playoff format with the six conference uh, champs and six at-large? Okay, so the six highest-ranked champs, six at-large spots. I love this. I love that it's happening at the time BYU is going into the Big 12 because just maybe if BYU strings together something special as a Power 5 team, and they have a few years to build in the power five. Maybe BYU sneaks in as like, you know, a 10 to 12 seed. That would be a lot of fun. It'd be great. Okay? It'd be a lot of fun. Great. We were looking like, you'd have to go back to probably 1996 for the last time BYU would kind of yeah. be in that situation. Yeah, Matt Brown of The Athletic went back and said, if we used BCS college football playoff sure. rankings, who would have been in it? BYU would not have been in it once. 
but 96 since 98. The but Cougars 96 pushed, would have the been. Cougars have pushed that number the last couple of years, but didn't have enough quite to get you in there. You have to have one loss or no losses to do this. This gotta is be, how gotta it's going to be. Got to be Coastal in 2020, and you can't lose to Boise State in 2021. Right. right. Yes. That, that's the difference right there. Yes, I, I like it. Um, no one's going to like this. I'm not saying BYU should do this, but BYU's access to this would have been better in the Mountain West. But BYU's not all about just making the playoffs. Clearly not. It's like way more than that. Notably, a big fat check, ESPN, and playing at the level BYU feels like it, it should have been respected as for a long time which is in a Power 5. Six highest-ranked conference champs. Does that mean just like overall conferences, Power 5 and Group of 5? Yes. So start. that means essentially one G5 will make it every year. But At may, least. But maybe the AAC and Mountain West Conference have a weird year where they've got two top 10 teams. If one, of, if the ACC or, or Pac-12 or Big 12 don't have a good. someone yeah. who's that okay. high, then no. How about this? New York Jets head coach Robert Sala says Zach Wilson went through a workout today and could be possibly playing on Sunday. He said it's possible against the Ravens. Team's waiting to see how Zach's knee responds by Wednesday. Jerem, what's the chance we see Zach Wilson start week one? Like in my medical opinion? Yes. I have no idea. Your expert medical I do opinion. want Zach to play, though, because your boy drafted Zach, and I need some points in my uh, in fantasy uh, here on this very program. But, yeah, I actually hope he doesn't play this week. There's no point in pushing that if you don't have to. It's a long season. Yeah, Another week, maybe two. Just get him back, and then I can get all the points I can from Zach. It's a long season. I mean, based on what I learned about from my some credible figures in New York <laughs> when I was there about a week ago, I guess two weeks ago now, uh, I I say like five percent chance, and that's probably being generous. Like a two percent chance he's playing this week. I just don't feel like it's necessary. Yeah, don't, need I don't to think him. it's necessary. Yeah. Like look to week two before we really start to At address least. this thing. Yeah, maybe even week three. Yeah. Okay, what's your reaction to South Carolina women's basketball canceling uh, their two-game series with BYU <sighs> women's basketball? You're supposed to open the season at South Carolina. I year. hate this for the sake of competition. Don Staley and South Carolina are the beacon of women's college basketball. They're, They're at the top of the game. They're incredible. They've, they've, they've displaced UConn. They, they yeah, really it have. took a lot. But someone finally took the, the place consistently UConn. It's South Carolina. So when I found out that BYU got this series and it was a home and home, they're coming to Provo. It's amazing. So I'm super disappointed. I think it's just really reactionary. And unfortunately, it happens with a program that has dealt with their own race issues and their own fans being racial. Let's talk about this. So in 20, I'm disappointed too. In 2018, Missouri fans claimed that South Carolina fans used racial slurs and spit on them. Don Staley denied this, defended South Carolina. She gave, uh, she was allowed a certain amount of grace in that situation. I was hoping she would allow BYU the same amount of grace that she received. And uh, I loved what BYU put out, which is we were hoping to work this out together. Um, we, we have, they've done investigating, right? And they've yet to find evidence that it happened. Again, two truths can coexist here. And this is what I believe at the moment. That Rachel Richardson believes she heard what she heard. I believe that, I believe her. I also believe what, uh, that, that there's no evidence that it happened. So it's a tricky situation. Please allow the grace that you were given in that situation yes. equally. Yes. That's what I was hoping for. Amen to that. Amen, I'm super disappointed, but yes. I guess there will be other big games to be had because BYU is going to the Big 12. I'm, I, I wonder if this opens the door for anyone else that wants to cancel games with BYU. I would hope not, but I hope that doesn't open that door.
Okay, coming up tomorrow night, 8.30 Eastern, BYU Football is calling Satake Live at 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. As coach recaps South Florida win, previews the home opener against Big 12 champ Baylor, plus Deep Blue with Chris Brooks, film room with Max Tooley, tomorrow on the BYU TV app. And, Jerem, we recapped the first ever fantasy All football right. results from our BYU Sports Nation fantasy football draft and teams. That's my guy. We don't, we don't know who won. Uh, we have we no idea. not to know. We will find out in the moment who won. That happens next. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio C. Our BYU Sports Nation Fantasy Football Friday Week 1 results are in. We have no clue, honestly. We don't know who won. I haven't looked. You haven't. We have no idea. Uh, so let's just get some live reaction here as we reveal the point totals from the three players on each of our respective teams that we played. We drafted seven. Yep. You get to play three. I went uh, early in the draft heavy on NFL players. Um, you went with some BYU linebackers, hoping that you would get some results there. And yep. I mean, I, I'm I'm expecting to lose. We'll see. Right You're expecting here. to lose? Yes, yeah, just based on who I started. Oh, just just based on who I started. So, okay. um, let's get my results first. I started my number one overall pick was Jaron Hall. Okay? Yeah, he had a tremendous game. Twenty-two, 22 points. That's massive. It's a good score, yep. right? Two hundred sixty-one pass yards, two pass touchdowns. Yep. Then I started Peyton Wilgar as my linebacker, five points for five tackles, but nothing like super no crazy in terms of force fumble, sacks, tackles for loss, touchdowns, obviously. And then Isaac Rex, two points for 23 receiving yards. So I take I'm, I'm total, feeling all right. I'm I feeling take all right. a total of 29 points. Notably, Puka Nakua on the bench. Okay, we yeah, we so didn't we, think he was going to play. Yeah, 20 points. No, I was not told that Puka was going to play until 30 minutes after we got off the air, which was super inconvenient for me. Here you go, Jeremy. Oh! It was. Oh my gosh! Did I beat you by one point? You beat me by one. <laughs> what? I only had three tackles from Keenan Peel. What? That was the issue there. Because Chris Brooks had a monster game, right? 135 and a touch. I'm shocked. I legitimately, you, you I'm by shocked. One. Oh, that was one I need to take advantage of with Puka on the bench. Wow. Okay, so Jake Oldred had 12 points for you. Maybe Jake's a big scorer for you moving forward. Well, I, I probably should have gone with Jake because South Florida. Just a bunch of points. Okay, yeah. Like, but I didn't, I didn't know how many field goals were going to show up. or I, I was confident Keenan Peely was going to give me like eight The defense just wasn't least. on the field a lot. Like the defense was not I on the field that much. the offense. No, hey, 29-28. How about that? 29. And if you play Puka, you destroy me. If oh, I, wow. If I play Jake, obviously I win from State Farm. I, I am legitimately okay. shocked. Congratulations. Week one win. That's that's uh, that's lucky. That's just <laughs> straight lucky. Oh, my goodness. Well, Keenan coming off an ACL, that was probably an aggressive assumption from me. But he, wow. he was full go. And Isaac was full go, right? Yes. Getting a touchdown from a non-quarterback and even non – like, I need Christopher Brooks to – neutralized Jaron Hall yeah, in yeah. the points, right? We've depowered the quarterback just a touch, only four points for a pass touchdown. But also, no negative stats hurt me in this as well. Like, if, if the pick was minus something, 
for Jaron, yes, I would have won. Then, then you would have won. But we didn't know. We just made it very simple, just all positive stats. Like this program, just all positive. 29-20. What's go. a good score in fantasy football? Should we say 50, like 50 points is like a great week? Oh, that would be unbelievable. 50 I, points would be honestly, a great week, I think week, like right? 35 would be pretty good. 35 is pretty good? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah like 50 would be like an unbelievable. You need like a 20, a 10, and a 5. Okay, tune in to BYU Sports Nation game day this Saturday night, 8 Eastern time, as Spencer hangs out with the stuffed cougar and Dave grills a football <laughs> as we get ready for BYU and Baylor. David Nixon looking on going, what is going on? Two hours live from Cougar Canyon and inside the stadium. It's actually more than two hours. It's about 2.15. Check it out Saturday night. The picture is something, that's for sure. Uh, plus a rise and shout out to anniversaries, Jerem. Today's a significant anniversary. This is BYU Sports Nation. You and Brittany? This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the BYU TV and BYU Radio app today or uh, download the podcast. Subscribe, Brent, movie. Our question of the day, where did BYU exceed expectations in the win against USF? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Roberts underscore MN who said, I expected a win. I didn't expect BYU to hang a 50 burger. Yeah, 50 piece coming at you. <laughs> that was great. 50 uh, points. And I think Lopini Katoa probably wanted 60 plus from his comments after the game. Yeah. yeah. Hey, waiver wire, by the way, fantasy football, you can pick up Lopini Katoa. He's still out there. I certainly could. You could. You get the first pick if you want that That's guy. That's right. All right, today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. And we give it to all of you across BYU Sports Nation. Nine straight years we have been employed thanks to all of you, this show. Nine years ago on Labor Day, we launched this little show called BYU Sports Nation. It's still little. Uh, the studio's bigger. But, uh, yeah, it's been awesome, man. Radio let's, only. Let's do it for at least nine more days. Nine more days yeah. or nine more years? Days. <laughs> and then we'll go nine more after that. Our right, thanks to today's guest, Trevor Maddich. Sorry to Dennis, ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUS. For Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Steve Clements. We'll see you back here for Coordinator's Corner and Studio C live at 2 p.m. Eastern. Go Cougs. One point, man. <laughs>